0: This is Dr. Zhu Liu, recently of Beijing University and currently visiting with the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences. I've come across something of particular interest regarding the multitude of languages spoken not only in present-day China, but also during previous dynasties. The importance of this find will become evident with time, and I feel it is important to display the whole of the context in which it was found. During my recent work to document dialectal differences in the written forms of Manchu and northern provincial languages during the Qing dynasty, I was permitted to search documents and artifacts stored within the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences. In their archives, I found a bound collection of papers Filed with documentation of Jesuit experiences within the Qing dynasty around the year 1710. The loose pages contained a mixture of writings, some in Manchu, others in Mandarin, and more in both Italian and Portuguese. It took some time to translate Manchu and Mandarin, and during this time I sent out the Italian and Portuguese sections for translation. The works contain writings by Jing Wei Chen the second son of a local magistrate in the Chichiha region, Portuguese Jesuit cartographer Father Martin Boz, and Italian Jesuit brother Benedetto Harbardian. A week ago, I compiled all the written documents into what I believe to be their chronological order. Granted, it is an incomplete account of events. Imperial. Episode 1. Il documento document is a written voucher for young brother Benedetto's voyage to the docks of the Gulf of Pacelli, which shows his full name and the name of the ship, but is otherwise void of legible information. The next is a surviving document written by the young Jesuit.
1: 3 agosto, anno di nostro signore 1711. Con grande piacere posso testimoniare di essere giunto nel paese più sorprendente che io abbia mai visto nella mia vita sulla terra di Dio. Benché il mio precedente soggiorno presso il nostro ordine a Goa... 3rd of August, year of our Lord, 1711. I am delighted to record that I have reached the most remarkable country I have yet to know within my time upon God's earth. Though my previous stay at the holdings of our order within Goa and its surrounding country was certainly a memorable experience, My time thus far, within the boundaries of the Empire of China, is far more striking. Nowhere within the eastern reaches have I seen such wonders of science, art, manners, and city life as I have within the city of Peking, where I currently reside. This place, there's a fondness in me. I have been here perhaps a week now having arrived by boat to one of the many small harbors within the Gulf of Pachili, and traveled through the province of Pachili with several other dignitaries and officials of the Empire, only to reach Peking on the 27th of July. Our trip across the lands of this province have shown me only a minor piece of the tapestry of the Empire. As such, given my fondness, I can see no better place for me than by the side of Father Martin Vaz, aiding in the cartographic documentation. It is warm, yet it rains often during this season. This is normal, I'm told, and light conversation on the weather has helped to break my fear of speaking Mandarin. I am not skilled, yet I can make my needs and points known, and there are those within the offices who are kind enough to aid in my education. Though I am afraid I have no skill for the artful written texts of the language. The long sea voyage from Goa to the Chinese port left me ill. But the fresh air and bounty brought to Peking is an exceedingly sufficient remedy. The abundances of fruits, grains, fine dishes of rice and fishes, I prepared in manners dissimilar to what I have experienced previously. Yet I have found favorites amongst them. <laughs> After my time with Father Martin, given that the Emperor's office and the office of our order allows, I will attempt to extend my stay. Following morning prayer, I will meet with Father Martin to discuss our departure from the King. Under the eyes of our watchful Lord and his Holy Son, I have made note of many natural wonders of flora and fauna in the land of Goa, and hope to expand my naturalistic knowledge through additional examination while on our expedition. There are many opportunities already presenting themselves, and I have much to reflect upon, at my new exam. As for our upcoming departure, it is my currently held belief that we are to leave for the city of TTR within the week.
0: The next document follows up on the aforementioned meeting. Though written by Father Martin Vaz, mention of him within other historical records are rare but seemingly like Brother Benedetto, he is documented as residing at the Jesuit Church in Goa several years prior to the date of this writing.
2: 4 de agosto, ano do Nosso Senhor, 1711. Esta manhã encontrei-me com o irmão Benedetto, um jovem ansioso até então apaixonado pelas terras e povos da China. O irmão também foi apresentado ao meu servo, António, sendo este, 4th of August, year of our Lord, 1711. This morning I met with Brother Benedetto, an eager young man so far enamored with the lands and peoples of China. The brother was also introduced to my servant Antony, that being, of course, his Christian name, given to him upon his baptism at the church in Goa. Brother Benedetto, more proficient in mastery of Hindi than the presently required Mandarin, discussed with Antony his home back in Goa, and they discussed their journeys here. It seems Brother Benedetto had taken ill due to turbulent seas, and Anthony shared with him a tincture of ginger root he had procured from the local apothecary for just such an ailment. The young brother is certainly enthused with his appointment to the cartographic expedition. He also fancies himself an amateur naturalist and aspires to document more than the required physical expanse of China. Again, while promisingly enthusiastic, this deviance may show a lack of control or attention to the task at hand. More so, as his cartographic experience is lacking, and this expedition is four weeks behind our projected schedule as it is, I am apprehensive to express acceptance of his additional interests, though I see the value in it. On the topic of our primary mission, we are tasked with a continued expansion of the Jesuit mapping expeditions across the reaches of China's Qin dynasty. The Society of Jesus has waited and watched for some time, hoping to access the lands and people here. Father Perine, Possessing a talent for persuasion, most assuredly receives some credit and honor for influencing and instilling a great desire for knowledge on the extent of this vast empire to the Kanghai Emperor. So, to both Emperor and Father Peronin, we are grateful. The Emperor's wishes to map his realm, utilizing our modern Western techniques and applicable sciences, aligns itself with our goals. Our small team is just a stroke in the finally crafted masterpiece of the mapping of the whole of God's Earth. We are working off the previous map compilation of the northern provinces, assembled by Father Regi, Father Jactu, and Father Fridelli in May of 1709. Our guide and official to the realm of the Emperor, Wang Jingwei Chang, is the second son of a local magistrate, and we are to meet him in Tisihar. Now I must pray for safe passage as we leave for Tisihar tomorrow.
0: There are no accounts included among those surviving documents if ever written from the Jesuits, their servants, or their guides during the travel from Beijing to Tsitsihar. The journey to Tsihar, the city now called Chichihar in Heilongjiang, would have taken several weeks minimum. The trail spans several provinces and over 1200 kilometers by foot, or an even greater distance if using waterways. The first document I believe to come after their trip was by brother Benedetto.
1: 15 settembre, anno di Nostro Signore 1711. Finalmente mi sento rigenerato. 15th of September, year of our Lord, 1711. I finally feel recovered from our arduous travels from Peking to Tsitsihar. Here I find fewer foods to my liking, but Anthony is a skilled cook and has created many foods that remind me fondly of my time in Goa. Tsitsihar is a city very unlike that of Peking. In no way a statement for the negative. Surely it is smaller, but it has a life and culture all its own, demonstrating yet again the vast reaches of the empire of China. Here, in but a single province, commerce and life includes more tongues than I speak, and Manchu, of which I know little, is the predominant tongue. Tzitzhi has recently become the seat of the military governor for this province. And as such, the barrack and garrison here stand as one of the last large-scale gatherings of military presences for the empire. The life here bustles, even into the night, and there are many kinds of drinks of which the locals are willing to share. The city lies on crossroads and is constantly brimming with trade. Incoming caravans from Moscovia bring a bounty of furs and an interesting selection of luxuries from the west. I was particularly struck by a gold rosette of quality Portuguese design which Father Martim tells me was crafted with imported gold from mines in Brazil. The rosette will likely be carted or shipped to a local Chinese official and if it finds its home upon the attire of a fine Chinese woman it will have traveled half the circumference of God's earth. A simple wonder of our modern age. Father Martim having discussed Har previously with officials in Peking, brought myself and Anthony to see the local Bukui mosque. I know little of the history of Islam in China, but he tells me that the earliest he knows of its introduction dates to the Tang Dynasty. He speaks of the mosque highly, as I believe he sees it as an enduring marker of a willingness for the Chinese people to adopt and learn our Western religions and doctrines. We are required to be accompanied by an official of the Empire as part of the agreement, as there is still some resistance to the spread of Christianity. Soon we are to meet the official who was chosen to guide and accompany us on our cartographic expedition. His name is Ching Wei Cheng, and he's said to possess some experience in the areas of our journey.
0: The next document comes from the records kept by Jing Wei Cheng with the date at the end. Most of his reports are written in Mandarin or Manchu. His official reports to local offices and empire were documented in the official language of the Qing dynasty, Manchu, but his personal documents were written in what was most likely his native language, Mandarin. The following is the remaining segment of an official log and thus written in Manchu.
3: Anangi Ara Hyanda Jombura, Alban Gaira, Tulargi Guruni Baita, Umeshi Labdu, Bichichikar Bad Uchuri Tu Chifi, Al Dashilahaku, Baita B, Shoshoma, Alama Bitha, Arafi, Hyanni Sarachi, De Unika. Anangi Yamjis Hun Jobochuka Baita de Donjifi ara Bit. A busy day for mediation, taxation and foreign relations within the county. Here are notes on the recent activities of Qixi ha for its county magistrate regarding those matters left unresolved. Near the end of the day, we were informed of a most unsettling matter addressed at the end. On mediation, Hu Yuchan, a farmer south of the city, has raised a family dispute with the land claimed by his brother's family. There is an orchard of fruit-bearing trees consisting of 42 rows, of which he says 30 belong to him. The brother claims that those which lay along the lines of the land may now belong to his allotment. A runner has been dispatched to survey the landlines, and the matter remains unresolved until our official survey review. On taxation, the quantity of foreign trade goods has increased, and the tariffs and taxes paid in accordance. More trade caravans from Russia arrived in the last 10 days than had arrived in the previous 30. One foreign trader, without knowledge of the official monopoly on the trade and sale of salt, attempted to bring in barrels of luxury spiced salts. He and his goods have been held until an appropriate ruling can be considered on the definition of the items as general foreign trade or salt trade. On foreign relations... There are two particular matters of note regarding foreign relations. The first is the arrival of a mapping expedition team, two Jesuits from Europe and their servant, who are under orders from the Emperor to continue the previous map made of the Greater Hingan Mountain region. As I have noted earlier, I will be joining the small mapping expedition, though the departure has been delayed due to the following event. A soldier from the local garrison, Yuan Lan, has been found murdered and his body placed within an abandoned trade cart near the northern entrance. Guards on the entrances to the city have now been doubled and no foreigners are permitted to leave until the murderer is located or the order is given to reopen the roads. The income of local supplies and caravans will continue uninterrupted. Similarly to the county magistrate himself, I believe the murder to be the result of the recent influx of foreign traders. While we have caught the salt merchant, there are always those incoming with illicit goods or intentions that are not welcome here in Sitihar or in the great land of the emperor. Previous crimes committed have proven this to be an apt point of view, as these incoming merchants and traders have little knowledge of our customs or manners. Until this has been resolved, I am responsible for the housing and protection of the Jesuit scholars. Certainly, with blessings from the emperor, they may be more accustomed to our polite society. The year is 1711, August 5th, under Emperor Kangxi's ruling.
0: Next is a brief entry by Father Martin, several days later.
2: vinte e dois de setembro ano do nosso senhor 1711. o nosso atraso aqui em Città durou vários dias devido à trágica e inesperada circunstância do assassinato do jovem soldado como nenhum estrangeiro está autorizado a sair demora certamente o irmão Benedetto e eu nós irmãos juntos. 22 de setembro year valor seventeen eleven our delay here in Città di Carro has lasted several days now due to the tragic and unexpected circumstance of the young soldier's murder as no foreigners are permitted to live, though surely Brother Benedict and myself are not suspect of the crime. We have spent our additional time in Tzitihar forging preparations for our journey. We have suffered several delays in our expedition up to this point, but the Lord has heard our prayers, and now the matter of the murder is coming to its resolution. After a discussion with Jingwei over supper, we have learned the truth of the matter, and it is upsetting to proper sensitivities. A foreign trader who had come from the Muscovy Road was found sneaking into a warehouse during close trade hours, accessing several crates. Originally he was detained for attempted thievery, but the guards then inspected the crates he attempted to rob. Instead of finding plundered goods, the guards found two children in the crate. Upon further examination, three crates were found to contain children in various states of intoxication, totaling seven Chinese children. The children were malnourished, hungry and of ill complexion, and it is thought that the trader was attempting to smuggle them out of China for trade back west. The murder guard, having caught the man several nights before, had suffered for his attempt to enact justice. Jingwei assured us that the children will be returned to where they came from, yet the whole of the ordeal leaves many questions unanswered. Now that the travel restriction is to be lifted, God willing, we will leave for our expedition in the days to come.
0: 文件李提到, At some point, the cartographic troop left to begin the trip to the Greater Kin Mountains, but those pages are missing, or maybe some of those that were damaged beyond repair. The following is a partial section that survived from a larger entry, and I believe it is from the trip north out of Zizihar.
1: potreste immaginare di viaggiare attraverso un impero del genere con un imperatore a fianco, attraversare fiumi e grandi vallate con l'uomo che le tiene nelle sue mani. Padre Verbist, che ora ci guarda dal Regno dei Cieli, fu colui che compita l'impresa, misurando gran parte della Cina accanto al... Could you imagine traveling through such an empire with an emperor at your side? To cross rivers and great valleys with the man who holds them in his hand? Father Verbist, now watching from the kingdom of heaven, did such a thing when he survived much of China at the side of Emperor Kangxi. While impressed with the beauty of this empire, I am in awe of vast wonder in all of God's kingdom. Just last year, the initial survey of this area took place and a map was drawn up. While the emperor seemed pleased with the result, the areas that were left void of study still requires some additional examination and documentation, and he gave us further leave to expand the map of his realm and the extent of our knowledge. I still have much to learn regarding cartographic measurements, and Father Martimus, under great pressures to teach me well. While I am competent in the use of the astrolabe to determine latitude, the determination of longitude is significantly more difficult to calculate though I have faith that with guidance I will be of ample assistance to Father Martin. For my interest in the other matters of the natural world, I am delighted to find that Anthony, our servant from Goa, is proficient in the accurate capturing of an object's or person's likeness. Though Anthony speaks many languages from the Indian subcontinent, he is not proficiently literate in any and finds more pleasure in drawing than reading. To the amusement of us all, he produced today the most wonderful likeness of Lee, a servant and guard of our official escort, Jing Wei. I have discussed with Anthony the option of a partnership to create an impressive document of local wildlife to be sent back to the church of our order in Europe. I am sure the library will find the representations presented by Anthony and the accompanying examinations provided by myself to be of great interest. Anthony seemed flattered by the request. And when he is not otherwise in service, he is happy to continue his visual documentation of the surrounding land of China. I see this as having success to match or exceed the previous book I compiled regarding the flora and fauna of Goa for representation among other Portuguese colonies.
0: This next short surviving section was difficult to place, though, with its reference to the Ganga River, I believe it took place approximately here
2: in a timeline. The time working in his instruction sets the delays even further but his enthusiasm and energy allows for the benefit of doubt, and his abilities to learn and efficiently work. Lord, give me patience. Of other note, we came upon a most peculiar sight on the opposing bank of the Gang River. While working our way up the river, Lee, servant on Jingwei, pointed out the emergence of a group of people from a distant tree-line. We were not headed in that direction, and did not choose to break course, but they appeared to wave at us from the distance. Jingwei believes he identified them as a local people, perhaps the wink as their manner of dress, even from afar, differs from the normal populace's attire in Peking and Sitzihar. They waved the us with the full extent of their arms, and we could hear an echoing call. The group continued in this manner for some time, but we soon continued on our way. We settled down for the evening in a clearing near the river, and Li, an avid fisherman, caught us some species of carp fish for our nightly supper,
0: the document ended there, as the rest of the page is missing. The following is a piece by Jing Wei Chen It is written in Mandarin and is thus most likely a personal record.
3: Qing Shengzu, Kangxi, 50 Year 1711, August 17th, under Emperor Kangxi's reign. Our continued journey today was fruitful, but we are all tired. Due to the mountainous terrain and constant obstacles, we are now without horses. This is fine as we still have our porters, and I have traveled through similar terrain before. This area is not unknown to me, but it is also not familiar. I've been on official trips to the outlying villages north of Tsisihar, but this is certainly a further and wilder trip than any previous. Lee, who I've brought with me to these northern providences from the garrison on multiple occasions, has no additional local knowledge but enjoys such travels. I was discussing the current date with Martin today. We have suffered delays, on this we agree, but if we work efficiently, we can survey the intended area within a few weeks and return to Tsisihar for the cold winter season. This autumn seems long, and we can only hope for a mild transition into winter. Rain and humidity can be a problem here, and I worry about heavy mists that may settle in the deeper the season grows. Yet certainly we cannot become lost. We are here to create the map.
0: The next entry that survives is brief, but can be placed chronologically thanks to the surviving date.
1: 30 settembre, anno di nostro signore 171. Abbiamo realizzato ulteriori progressi durante il nostro viaggio nella regione della magnifica montagna Kingane. E durante la sosta in un posto che avevamo già precedentemente mappato, padre Martin mi ha dato l'opportunità di migliorare la mia pratica. Sono deluso dalla mia prestazione. 30th of September, Year of our Lord, 1711. We have made further progress with our journey to the Greater Kingdom Mountain region. And while we stop in an area that had been previously survived, Father Martin gave me the opportunity to review my practical knowledge. I am disappointed in my performance. It has been taking me three attempts to secure an accurate measure of distance. But I am certain now I can enact my duties with little to no error. On the topic of the possible almanac of flora and fauna, Anthony and I are glad to accept the assistance of Lee. Lee, from a family somewhat south of Peking, grew up as a farmer, fisherman, and hunter, and is avid in his exploration and understanding of the natural world and its many inhabitants. So, as Anthony creates the visual representations, I work to document and translate information on the subjects recited by Lee. It is a task I will work upon further, certainly, and these efforts will only be enhanced by my improving ability to communicate in Mandarin. Great stretches of land now separate us from Tsitsi Har and the many smaller towns and villages of China. Here, soon, we will enter the mountains, and already we journey through hills and darkening forests. The skies become heavier with the passing days. Their weight pushes down upon us, each breath feels thick by midday. The nights are growing colder, and each morning there is a mist in the valleys. Lee says there is rain on
0: the horizon the entries from journals or collected documents as fived vary in their level of preservation the following document written by brother Benedetto is in a state of disintegration unlike several previous documents written by brother Benedetto the following writings do not suffer from iron gall ink corrosion it appears that his works switch inks to that of a chinese-made ink using either petroleum or pine suit as its base there's also blood on the page
1: Primi di ottobre, anno di nostro Signore 1711. Poiché la mia mente corre, non sono in grado di determinare la data esatta. Abbiamo subito perdite tra la nostra gente e danni alla nostra necessaria attrezzatura. Nel tardo pomeriggio è iniziata la. Early October, year of our Lord 1711. As my mind races, I am unable to determine the exact date. We have suffered injury to our persons and to our required equipment. In the early evening, rains began, and they continued throughout the night. In the dark of night, we heard a great roaring as of some beast, and soon the ground shook. The mudslide that overcame us moved as a flowing black river. We lost two men, our porters, and we have been unable to locate their earthly remains. Now we are left with only five of us and very few of our personal possessions. Father Martim is asleep and he has broken his left leg, having struck it upon a rock as we cascaded from our previous point up the mountain. I worry for our ability to aid him, as I have seen only such horrible wounds from labor accidents back in Goa. We are not trained in healing or medicines, and I fear he will be in terrible pain. We have managed only an approximate alignment, but this at least appears to have restored circulation to his lower leg. Though he remained stoic during our ministrations, I pray Father Martin will forgive us for the pain we subjected him to. Our official Jingwei, in an attempt to escape the river of mud, leaped from the small clearing into the branches of a tree. He has bruised his ribcage and harmed his leg, but escaped the fate of our borders. Anthony has suffered a large gash to his upper arm, but we have stopped the bleeding as of recently. Lee, thankfully, is generally unarmed. Between Anthony and myself, we were able to keep hold of many, yet not all, documents made so far. Our measurements are safe, but our map, though safe, is damaged. Our cartographic tools were lost, along with many supplies for the trip. Lee was able to maintain control on a crucial pack of provisions, yet we are otherwise without many necessities. The rains have ended, and my brow has stopped bleeding. I struck my head on a rocky outcropping. Now I must wake Father Martin, as we must form a plan for the future of this journey.
0: The document I believe to be next is the following.
3: I am happy to be alive. Last night, during the early hours, a constant rain of uncharacteristic proportions instigated a mudslide. The deluge and its results have cost us our two porters and the majority of our provisions. The Jesuits are alive though the elder, Martim, has broken his leg. The splinting of his injury was an ordeal, and he currently sleeps. Their servant, Anthony, will soon help the younger Jesuit to splint my leg, as I have also suffered from the event. Lee, resourceful and trained, has volunteered to leave in search of assistance. This may be our best choice due to our incapacitation, and we will discuss the recent turn of events with Martim. With my leg wounded, Martim's badly broken, and Anthony under considerable strain with a wounded arm, we are in a difficult position. The loss of the cartographic tools means we are without the ability to continue our purpose. We will return to Cixi Thankfully, the young Italian was able to save all our work so far.
0: In this next document, Father Martin's handwriting appears unsteady in comparison to his characteristically structured script. The
2: artimanhas walls of nature have stopped our progress. We have lost good men, and to these we have bowed our heads. We have lost our tools, and we must thus end our further venture. My leg has been splintered, as has been Jing Wei's. Thankfully, he is not as armed as I, and he can carry his own weight with only mild discomfort. I, regretfully, have broken my leg extensively, and it is agony to walk. those who remain only Lee is in good health. Being capable and young, we've sent him off to find help. If he heads southeast, he will find villages, Lord willing. Yet, they are several days away. We have little remaining of our food supplies. But Anthony believes he can trap small animals until Lee returns. We will pray for his safe
4: journey.
0: In an attempt to make a formal document to be presented to the local magistrate, Jingwei has written part of the following in Manchu. It is clear that Manchu is not his preferred tongue as he switches to Mandarin part of the way through.
3: We are nearing the end of the eighth month now. I cannot recall the correct date. A day passed, waiting for Lee to return with assistance. We certainly thought it would take longer than a day. The people he returned with are none of the local groups that I have worked with or previously visited. He returned with several men and women, none of whom speak languages of the Empire. They have been very kind and helpful, even without the ability to communicate. They gave us fresh water and very quickly set about the construction of a mobile bed to carry the Jesuit martin. I have much to do, and will transcribe the following at a later date. ji. I have never seen these peoples in Chichihar or the outlying villages we have surveyed. They are very kind, having taken us back to their homes and shelters, but I still approach them with some apprehension. They speak nothing of Manchu, Mandarin, Oirat, Buriet, Evenki, or Mongolian. They vary in appearance, but not in dress. Their hair is not all dark, and their complexions range as well. Their facial forms can be Han in some, and more similar to those of Russian traders in others. Several have eyes of blue, similarly to the Italian Jesuit. Of their attire, there is little variation. Men and women wear heavy woven fabrics and well-cared furs. They wear chains of pearl-like beads draped around their necks, arms, and waists. At first, I believed these to be fresh water pearls, but upon closer inspection, I see they are polished bone and stone. They have many fine carvings made from bone and horn, worn as brooches, and some jewelry made from local stone. Their hair combs, worn decoratively, are of great craftsmanship, and their earth-toned dyes for clothing and textiles are from the local terrain. We were brought a distance through the forest to the west. There were points along our trip where areas looked like paths, and we passed what appeared to be a small area in a mountainside they had previously quarried. It was around midday when we reached a noticeably widened lane in the forest. Here the road became well trod, and large animal skulls flanked the avenue. Some had tusks like those of the elephants, while others had large teeth like those of the tigers. I am not a man of nature myself, so their identities elude me. At the end of the avenue, well built from wood, was a wall enclosing their village. Even from a distance, through the woods, the warmth of the firelight was visible and very inviting.
0: This is the continuation of official Jingwei's previous documentation. It details the village they were brought to in the forest of the Greater Kinan Mountains region.
3: 那座村落非常大, The village is rather large, yet it is difficult to determine the number of dwellings, as many entrances are built into the carved stone side of the mountain. The freestanding homes and structures are built of stone and wood, the stone walls topped with wooden arches, which are then properly covered in thatch. The dwelling and community spaces are neat and well-kept, and the village clearly has an appreciation for community works of art. In addition to the painted and carved bone works used to adorn both persons and buildings, there are many statues in the village. Some are small enough to fit in windows, and others are as tall as the dwelling's arched roofs. Areas of the mountain not carved with doors or windows are instead carved with strange designs that, after some discussion with Martim, may contain some kind of written script it is not a script i recognize and we still have great difficulty communicating with these people they have given us an empty dwelling where i now write and where jesuit martin rests to heal his broken leg our accommodations are simple we have heat and they provide us with food the weaved thatch roof does not leak and they have presented us with ornately carved utensils and wares for our meals. We are permitted to wander all amongst the village, except for inside the dwellings carved in the mountain. It is not difficult to locate our given dwelling, as a great statue stands outside our door. It is of a singular piece of polished black stone, and appears to represent the leopard of this region. The spots are slightly recessed and sanded to lack luster. The jowls are pulled back into a snarl, exposing the well-carved teeth of the beast. It stands as tall as the hut, and the style has bulk so that the whole of the statue appears almost as a pillar. Anthony, though still suffering from an injury, assists Lee in drawing in water to our dwelling and keeping the fire burning. The stove is constructed of stone, smartly built with a vent stack to the exterior and with connected heating spaces for preparing foods and warming articles on hot slates. While we are brought foods to prepare as we wish, we have also been invited to gathering in the village center, where food is communally shared and people appear to spend much time conversing and trading. If I were able to communicate with them, I am sure my father would be interested to hear more of these people. Perhaps they are Russian?
0: In this next document, Father Martin's handwriting has returned to a steady flow. It appears there may have been several pages to the document previously, yet only these two now remain. While no date survives, the account of multiple days informs to their now extended stay in the village.
2: Alguns deles são de pele clara e olhos Azuis, como os povos de Dinamarca, mas com características faciais pouco habituais para os europeus. Sabemos muito pouco do seu idioma. É difícil comunicar. Embora tenham sido generosos e bem-educados. Some of them as fair-skinned and blue-eyed, like the peoples of Denmark, but with facial features unaccustomed to Europeans. Of their language we know very little. It is difficult to communicate. Though they have been generous and well-mannered to house's guests. The stone face of the mountain is carved with what may be a language script, and I've seen Anthony ponder it through the window of our dwelling. While I know Anthony is illiterate, I too can see the similarities of the script with that of the older Tamil scripts from the Indian subcontinent. We are given food and fuel, and if we request more with gestures, they are happy to supply. To stay warm and dry in the colder and moister days, we are given dry woods and use a thin slate warmer to dry out wet clothes. In the evenings, the fires are dimmed and eventually snuffed, but the bottoms of the stone beds are also fitted with small wood-burning ovens that radiate heat well into the night. They have peculiar, ornically carved lamps that utilize condensed animal fats, and these are what we are permitted to use at night to work by. It is clear that, while they do not communicate with us, they recognize the official attire worn by Jingwei. They present food to him or Lee before Anthony or us, and they gifted him with a finely carved box containing a bone comb similar to those they wear. Whether or not they speak the language, I believe they know that their home lies within the boundaries of the King Dynasty.
0: This next document is from Brother Benedetto. At this time, it could be assumed they were running out of unused paper, as the back of a large page contains what was once a skilled depiction of the Greater Canaan Mountain Range from atop an indeterminate vista point.
1: Tra i primi e metà di ottobre, anno di nostro signore, 1711. Siamo in questo villaggio ormai da giorni. E nonostante non vi si trovi la lussuosità della città, qui le persone sono molto gentili e ospitali. Oggi, intorno a mezzogiorno, una donna è venuta nella nostra dimora a farci visita. Early to mid-october, year of our lord 1711. We have been in this small settlement for several days now. And while it lacks the luxuries of the city, The people here have been very kind and giving in their hospitality. Today, a woman came to our dwelling around midday, and she greeted us in a staggered mandarin. She then began to speak in a language I did not recognize, though Jingwei was delighted to hear it, and began to converse in turn. Apparently... She is their most apt linguist, and while she has a very small gasp on Mandarin, she's more inclined toward the original Evang's language, though not proficient by any means. She told us that her people welcome us to stay until we are all healthy enough to travel. More specifically, she called the injured Father Martin our white-haired fair elder, which Jingwei had humor enough to translate. Jing Wei then began to question her rigorously on her people, some of which clearly did not make it through translation. Most interestingly, Jing Wei requested to meet with the village headman or local official. The woman, whose name is Karl, informed us that the village leader does not speak Mandarin or Ivanki, and that is why they sent her instead. Karl politely dismissed herself and left us to our midday meal shortly after.
0: I found a partial drawing of a woman among us the entries. It may be of call, though there's not label to confirm this. Her features are not distinctly Chinese, and she possesses some plainly European qualities. The next surviving piece comes from the smaller journal that survives through several pages.
2: E Cal, com sorte, mais informações nos próximos dias, se Deus quiser and discussions with Carl will hopefully lead to more information in the days to come. Not really. While we are able to stay here during my recovery, we have spent time praying and discussing our options. We have come to the conclusion that we shall send Brother Benedetto and Lee, both of whom are physically able, back to Titihar to recover assistance from the barracks there. We will require aid if we want to return before conditions become unfavorable, and the magistrate, his father will surely grow concern over Jingwei's extended unplanned absence. Anthony, now almost fully recovered, will stay to service in our current state. This evening, as it is now late and I ride by the light of an oil lamp, we were brought out to the settlement centre to join in a meal. Some of the people, though kind, were sceptical of our inclusion, particularly while we prayed over the meal. We saw many children, from infant to young men and women, wear similar attire to their parents, but with brighter colours. We played games with large stone dice, while adults conversed and cooked. A young man presented us with wonderful dishes and warming, savory soups. They were overly generous with the sweetened roasted fruits they shared with us for dessert. And during the meal, we had brief, broken discussions with Karl. Karl has told us that the people are very interested in us, Europeans, and in Antony. Having never interacted with Westerners or Indians before, I still find this strange. Given the high rate of generally European traits seen amongst their adults and children, Antony, being artistically inclined, gave a whittled figurine to a child with bright blue eyes, light hair, and the high, narrow nasal bridge. If I were to have guessed where such a child came from, I would have chosen Scandinavia. The whittled figurine Antony has made was of a long-armed monkey from the Indian subcontinent. The fair-haired child placed it by the fire, and the figurine spent the evening casting long dancing shadows across the ground as the night grew darker. I find no comfort in the darkness of the surrounding forest, and so I'm glad for the generosity afforded to us by these people. God has truly blessed us, and perhaps, in time, we can share his blessings with them. Carl stopped to check in on us from time to time during the community dinner. We informed her that we would be sending Brother Benedetto and our man Lee back to Tzitzihar to bring help for our return. She politely informed us that this wasn't wise as it is unsafe to travel when a heavy fog is to settle on the mountain. She left soon after, as she seems like a busy woman. I believe several of the children to be hers. Regarding our decision to send off Lee and Brother Benedetto, Jingwei has ended over his fan, stamped with his official seal to Lee. This, and a written note, he says, will act as proof of his mission, and thus expedite the call for aid. Brother Benedetto and Lee will leave as soon as they go. Before
0: the dark billows on the horizon hold their progress. The following starts with hasty writing, but it comes as the text continues. This is the last document by Brother Benedetto.
1: Tardo autunno, anno di nostro signore, 1711. Io e Lee partiamo prima dell'alba. Sono in ansia per la nostra uscita. Dovrò lasciare tutti i documenti e le misurazioni a Padre Martim. Così io e Lee potremo... Late autumn, la year of our Lord, 1711. Lee and I leave before dawn. I am in a stir over our outing. I shall leave all the documents and map measurements here with Father Martim so that Lee and I can move quickly and reach Sitsihar with greater ease. When we return, we shall do so with additional supplies and porters and then there will be no worries for the transportation of the map. My manner is improved and I find Lee good company, so I'm not worried for the return trip. Lee is a capable hunter and I'm sure I can also navigate if the need arises. The Lord is on our side, and once we find the river, we will have few foreseeable obstacles. This was a fine night to finish my time here in the settlement. The dinner we shared in the courtyard was delightful and filling. Carl has made Father Martim and Jingwei feel more at ease here, so I am less apprehensive to leave them. It is Lee's custom to awaken before dawn, so when he awakens me, we will depart.
0: The following, though missing the date, takes place the day following Brother Benedetto and Lee's departure.
2: Que Deus olhe por eles e lhes conceda passagem segura no seu regresso a Titihar. Também ao acordar, Jingwei, António e eu observámos uma mudança muito peculiar. A grande estátua de pedra que estava perto da... May God watch over them and grant them safe passage on their return to Titihar. Also, upon waking, Jingwei, Anthony and I noticed a most peculiar change. The large stone statue that stood near the door to our dwelling has been removed. We can see no mark of it having been dragged or lifted away in the night. It was an odd carving, and we had originally required it to find our dwelling among the many others. Thankfully, we have now grown more accustomed to this place, and can find our dwelling without its aid. Kyle dropped off food and fuel with Anthony this morning to replenish our supply. The people of the town are acting hesitant towards us today. Some seem very congenial from afar, smiling as they have, yet others are somber and avoid our dwelling. Perhaps we offended them during the meal, or by sending away to souls to which they have extended hospitality. It is sometimes difficult to understand proper etiquette in new places. From the window beside my warm bed, I am able to overlook the activities of the people in the nearby yard. Old men and women have gathered to create stoneware, some kind of container. The small pieces of the scarlet stone are picked up by children who add them to a rolling bucket, which erodes and even stamp into the size of large beads. They are not the most beautiful in color, but the polished beads and containers are perfectly smooth, a signal of their quality. As for the strong men and women, I saw them leave in haste early this morning as part of a hunting party before the rains. Their food has been fair enough, and I will pray for a successful restocking of the village larder. Jingwei, currently more mobile than myself, Is going to be called to seek an audience with the headman of the village. I await his report later today, but for now I shall sleep further and tend to my broken way.
0: The following is Jingwei's official report regarding his visit with the leader of the town. It was not dated.
3: I had previously requested to meet with the headman of this town. Today I went for the meeting. The meeting was translated roughly by Khal, the tradeswoman who speaks enough of a local language I recognize to help the discussion along. Khal brought me to the mountainside, where several doorways led to rooms built into the rock. We went into the largest ark cut in the mountain and walked down a carved hall. Hal informed me that it is a special place and that it is rare to have visitors there. We reached a suitably sized, decoratively carved room with a natural vent. A fire warmed the room and an old woman, garbed in beads and purple robes, was seated near the fire. This old woman, Hal explained, was their elder and leader. She called her Wei Ga, and Hal made our introductions. The exchange was trying, as my questions and her answers were difficult to convey. I asked who they were. She responded curtly by saying they were a village of traders and hunters. I asked if they knew of the Qing dynasty and of our emperor. She said they knew of a great leader who united many. I asked if they knew that they were part of the empire. She smiled and said that it is pleasant to have a place in the world. Hao then told me that Wei Ga was growing tired, so I asked only one more question before being escorted from the tunnels within the mountain. I asked if we could bring some of her villagers to Titihar Har to introduce her people to the magistrate. She coughed and smiled and said that when we leave, anyone who wants to go with us may. Elderly as she was, she closed her eyes, and Khal escorted me back to our dwelling. When we return to Chichihar, I will take Khal and several men with us. In doing so, we can clear up many of the miscommunications we have suffered here.
0: This following short entry is partially burnt, and there are long lines in ink drawn along the sides. I
2: cannot tell if these were intentional. Está Mas sons it is dark. I must have slept through the day, but I've awoken to a most unsettling sight and a tensing of my soul. Jingwei's sleeps soundly, having returned at some time, but it is neither the sounds of his rest. "'nor anthony's that stirs me. "'A heavy, oppressive fog has settled in, "'and it creeps through the window to settle in my lungs. "'It is warm and tastes of earth. "'When I peer out the window to see the extent of the vapour, "'I can see very little. "'It is difficult now to make out buildings just across the yard "'that I've seen many previous nights. "'Were it only the fog that stirred me, I would have returned to sleep. "'No. "'While looking out the window, I spied another matter, "'which is most unsettling.' When I looked out toward the direction of the town wall, I caught sight of a tall black shadow of a man, or perhaps a woman, dashing through the fog. I could make out no distinctive features, only the alligated black haze of a human figure, far too tall. I have fought upon it for some time now, and I've decided it must have been a local car, or perhaps a hunter returning late in the evening. The thing otherwise regarding the lone figure would be more upsetting to the sensibilities. In my half-dreaming state, and in this fog, Perhaps I'm mistaken. What thing it may or may not have been. It was haded away from our small dwelling. Were it a demon of my mind it has fled. And if it is a demon of this world it will flee with the rising sun.
0: 自此以後,文業記錄的確切時間難以判斷。from this point onward, it became more difficult to determine the timeline for the entries. Martin and Jinwei have both lost count of the days, and many entries, even if intact, are without a precise date.
3: Shao Late autumn, perhaps early winter. I continue my work daily, trying to determine more regarding the origins and allegiances of these people. It is difficult, as I am only able to work with Hal. She has several children, so she does not permit me as much of her time as I would require. Father Martim also requests some of her time, and thus I have even less. I have taken to examining their goods, looking for recognizable items of trade or craft. I have found items made from metals, both precious and otherwise, which I believe cannot be of their own local making. Among these items are a lidded cup, or perhaps a set of lidded cups, in the homes of several elders. They appear to be silver, with the type of craftwork and design commonly seen from the peoples of Persia. Also several silver Mongolian belt bowls are in use by the village headwoman, who does not seem to care for their age or craftsmanship. Of our creations that have found their home here, there is a metalwork serving dish. It is of silver, gilded with designs of flowers and falling water, and if I were to place it in time, I would only be able to broadly assume the Yuan dynasty. There is more than metalwork. Though having suffered some damage, there are fine enamel crafts from the Ming dynasty, which would have been sufficiently valuable items of trade. There is a pendant of ivory, most surely from our lands, but which has an age I cannot determine. Also, the textiles worn by the children have bright colors and textures, and I would believe they came from trade. All these items inform me to this village's interconnectivity. Hal says they encounter traders and other hunters during hunts to the south, sometimes reaching the river, but never as far as Chichihar. She says they trade their carvings and crafts, mostly of solid stone and bone, for whatever others have. In this way, they have collected a few items, but they generally see no need for the works of others. I thus confirm that they have not been registered for taxation.
0: The following document has several interesting additions that are not included in translation, the text is written across the top half of the pages and the bottom sections have been reserved for depictions of a script which Father Martin was able to roughly copy and number. It appears that several drawings of the bottom half of the pages have been scratched out or have had ink poured over them. As this happened with every drawing and is addressed by Father Martin, it is clear the obfuscation was done purposefully.
2: As chuvas não cessaram desde que o irmão Benedetto e Lili partiram. Se Deus quiser, eles passarão para caminhos mais secos. Sua jornada está nas minhas orações. Mandei António montar para que o The drier the Their journey is in my prayers. I've had Anthony put together crutches so that I may travel around outside our dwelling, if I so wish. I have taken time to detail some of the scripts around the village and began to make small-scale sketches of the larger pictural carvings. Of the scripts, I have identified several repeated simple characters, which appear to flow along a connected string. The scribblings I have presented to Karl, requesting her assistance in learning a few sounds and possible translations. She seemed apprehensive, but also showed interest in my enthusiasm to learn. In our brief sessions, she has explained enough to translate a single sentence several words, and some important structures. So far, I have identified that the written language is a mix of stylized glyphs, representing concepts, ideas, or objects, along with an extensive alphabet of simple symbols or flourishes that denote a simple sound, which help to construct other words and grammatical form. I have numbered my representations of the script, and included a follow-up document of possible translations and phonetic soundings. Kelamia cal é uma praga. Destruiu os meus desenhos? Curse that cow woman. She has destroyed my drawings of the larger carvings. Jingwei informed me of her general disagreement, but when she returned later to see the sketches intact, she scratched them out and covered them in ink. She stated that it was not correct to draw them, and that I have no allowance to do so. Additionally, the wonderfully accurate depictions which Anthony had dedicated his spare time into creating have been destroyed. Anthony had drawn vistas of the village, depictions of the large stone statues and the wonderful renditions of the locals engaged in their craft work, most of which he found shredded and left in the rains earlier today. He has been in a bother about it all day, for good reason, and has found little joy in interactions outside his work today. When Carl saw him attempting to restart the depiction of the statues, she insisted he stop. Now, for my own destroyed depictions, I must instead dedicate time to their description. Of the one carved into the wall above the entrance to the mountain, many people are roughly depicted. They appear seated or kneeling, and above them is a large arching door or stage. It appears the people are waiting, perhaps for a feast or event. Of the carving on the side of the mountain, near the communal yard, this is a larger carving, spreading out across several scenes. On the far left, there is a depiction of a man. He is depicted in more detail than the others around him. He is given lines for his mouth and his eyes. The next section of the carving shows the man. His facial features carved in a mask of fear, shunned by the people around him. The following section.
0: The next page is missing, but some of its related documents are included. There are also multiple pages of the documents he has used to translate and interpret small sections of script. The next document is from
3: Jingwei. These ghastly rains have not subsided. Every day, Anthony places all of our spare shoes and socks by the fire to dry. And by morning, we can still feel the damp on our skin. After so many discussions of philosophy and religion with Father Martin, we have concluded that these people are not followers of Confucian rituals or teachings. They follow no centralized god, and they have no named pantheon. They do, though, subscribe to a variety of ancestral worship, which venerates certain ancestors to the level of, as Hal says, a guard or guardian. These guardians watch over their homes and lives. They protect their children, and are believed to aid prosperity. Given the veneration of the large animal statues, I believe there is something of spiritual note there as well. This is all we have been able to discern so far, as our interest in entering the spiritual places within the mountain is considered trespassing.
0: The following writing also comes from Jingwei, but his characters are wild and erratic.
3: 那个魏嘎, 住在山里的老巫婆, 我走进屋里的时候, 看到那个老巫婆, that old witch in the mountain, Ga. she burned it. Kao brought me to speak with the old head woman again, and as I walked into the room, I saw the old witch toss my official fan into the fire. I am not confused. I gave that fan to Li and Brother Benedetto as proof of their orders from me. I shall discuss this with Father Martin in private.
0: These pages were all difficult to translate due to the spreading ink. The paper was damp when the ink was applied, leading to wide, spreading lines and a somewhat blurry script. The translators have done what they could, but illegible sections have been removed. This section remains.
2: Nesta chuva e frio canso-me da aldeia. Estou farto da minha sala de estar em Pequim, dos bancos da nossa igreja em Goa, e dos corredores distantes da minha igreja, em Portugal. In this rain and chill, I grow tired of the village. I'm sick for my parlour in Peking, the pews of our church in Goa, and the far-off halls of my church in Portugal. The people are congenial, as always, but the atmosphere of life here has changed. It is most prevalent today. This morning, instead of gathering for a meal before their work began, the people of the village stayed within their homes, quiet and reserved. The rain has not stopped them on previous mornings, so I must wonder... What has affected them so? Anthony is still dispirited since the destruction of his papers, and Jing Wei has lost his positive outlook on these people altogether. He has informed me that, on his most recent attempt to speak to the elder, he saw her burning what he believes to have been his official fan. That fan was sent with Brother Benedetto and Lee, so I find this difficult to believe without evidence. The fog continues to oppress us, which makes viewing the village from my window difficult. The children do not play and those who have passed by have seemed frightened. The adults appear very busy. Many are dutiful in their craft and housework, and others I have seen going in and out of the mountain entrance during times of lifted fog. Without the ability to easily communicate, I cannot determine the reason for today's summer mood. I feel the weight of the air and the melancholic atmosphere is affecting my mind further. That and the mental atrophy accompanying my injured state. In this haze, with my narrow view from the window... I believe I spy the shadow of that elongated, dark specter once more. Were it a jovial day, I would have thought it a dancing child just beyond the wall of fall, but this was not such a day. Its great height and the smooth movement of its limbs gives me pause as to its true identity. I know that they do not believe in the power of God or his holy son here in this land, but I know my prayers can still be heard.
0: The remaining section of Father Martin's entry at this time is too degraded to decipher. The following appears to be a note passed back and forth between Father Martin and Jingwei, and is written in Mandarin by both parties.
3: It
2: may be unsafe tonight. Did you
3: hear something? Yes. What What was was it? A scream in the distance. I
2: thought so. I don't see any of the villagers outside. Give me a moment. I will go see.
3: The neighboring dwelling is empty, but for children. Should we check another? I will check several. Anthony will come with me.
2: Did you see anything?
3: For the scream? No. No fire. No great rush. Only fog and light rain. But what of the people? Have you seen anyone? Anthony and I checked, but we found no adults. All the children are left alone in their homes.
2: Another scream? Where did it come from?
3: The mountain. Should we go and check? You are still injured. Anthony and I shall go look. Be sure to shut the window and arm yourself. Keep Anthony's knife. Be
2: careful. God watches over us.
3: Do not speak. Only write.
2: I heard more screaming while you were gone. Are you unharmed? What did you see? Stay quiet. There are statues outside the door. The statue by our door disappeared days ago.
3: There are two now. They were not there when we left to investigate the screams, but they are there now. Large black stone, angry in appearance. Did you hear anyone? Did you hear them put in place? No, I heard nothing. What of the scream? The mountain. We could not find the entrance to the mountain. I have been there several times, but the door is gone. The carving that was above the door is still there, but it's gone. The stone is still there. No entrance.
2: The fog in your distrust cloud your mind. Anthony can attest to my statement. If this is true, something is
3: terribly wrong. I saw the elder woman toss my official fan into the fire. That is a terrible accusation. She may not have known what value it held. Yet a true accusation. People in the dynasty would suffer to harm us. But these people are not interested in being a part of the dynasty.
2: So we know we should leave, but I mean no condition to go.
3: How much longer can we afford to wait for Li and your assistant?
2: Without their return, I see no way for me to live. Certainly not if we were pursued.
0: This
3: next document is difficult to place anywhere within the timeline. I do not trust these people. I have met many of the peoples within the northern regions of the dynasty so far. And I have met foreigners, but never have smiles and generous gifts filled me with such unease. Father Martin is still unable to support himself on his broken leg, though my injuries have healed well. I have spied things on my walks around the village that I do not tell him, and which I write here in Manchu so he does not worry. In the fog beyond my vision, I have seen shadows move. I have walked from the village once, along the Trail of Bones, only to find myself here again. Anthony and I have difficulty communicating, but he worries as well. These people are kind, generous, but they are secretive. The rains have not stopped, and last night I saw more shadows, as tall as trees.
0: This is the last remaining collection of documents. All the others are either too damaged to be deciphered or missing from the collection. This piece is written in very compact script as available free pages may have been greatly limited.
2: Hoje está frio outra vez e a umidade penetra através das paredes. Jingwei está mais acostumado ao clima das terras do norte dinastia. Diz que deve ser o início do inverno. It is cold again today and the damp seeps in through the walls. Jingwei, who is more accustomed to the weather of the dynasty's northern lands, says it must be the start of winter by now. If this is true, I wonder if we will see snow in the weeks to come. Hopefully, we will have returned to Tsitsihar by then. Early this morning, much to our surprise, Karl came by our dwelling to drop off a supply of food and fuel to Antony. She told Jing Wei of a terrible mudslide across the valley that stirred the whole village last night. Apparently, all the adults of the village had gone to try and dig out a trapped man, and she apologized for abandoning us in the village alone. When pressed on the days for the injured or deceased man, she gave little. She seemed sincere, but Jing Wei was privately discourteous upon her departure. Even the disturbing events that developed last night, he insisted that we send Antony to check the validity of her story. Antony agreed, and we have concluded to send him after he has prepared our breakfast. Early this morning, I was able to stand by the door with the aid of my crutches, and I've seen the two mighty statues that now flank our dwelling's door. They are black stone guards, watching our exit. Or, if my mind were not so beset by pessimism, I would consider them protectors and great works of art somewhat reminiscent of the gothic, he all details of grotesques. Carl offered us no explanation for that sudden arrival, but now I'm hungry, and I must inquire with Anthony as to our breakfast and morning prayer.
0: Official Jingwei wrote this note on the back of other papers, which makes some of the characters blurred, but still mostly legible.
3: I can no longer endure the confusing mannerisms of these people. If I were not charged with the accompaniment and responsibility of this Jesuit, I would have left with Li. Father Martin, perhaps naively calm, has consoled my ire and annoyance. I cannot let my distrust show. Anthony returned from his task. He found no evidence of a mudslide or dig efforts, though he did inform us that due to heavy fog, visibility in the valley was worse than here in the village. I believe that to be his way of remaining inconclusive. Anthony and I have had broken conversations regarding our safety here, and Anthony is reluctant to make accusatory statements Yet his mannerisms are cautious and tentative. I believe him to feel as I do toward this place. Father Martim recited one of his Christian readings over breakfast from the small Bible he has on his person. I do not speak Latin, the language of his religion, but Anthony looked distressed at the father's choice of passage. In later discussions with Anthony, he told me in confidence that they were proverbs of fear and strength. The Jesuit puts forth a positive expression, but I believe that deep in his heart, he begins to see our dire situation clearly.
0: Father Martin's personal Bible was not in the found collection of documents. The following is the last of any documents recorded by official jinwei His characters are rough, and during the middle of his writing, he
3: switches to Manchu. I have taken myself away from the festivities to write this. Father Martim and Anthony are there now, and I will rejoin them soon. We must maintain pleasant interactions with these kind people, for as long as we are to reside here. There is a large feast tonight, even in this torrential rainstorm. The feast is in an alcove in the mountain, and it is crowded with merrymaking. The alcove protects the gathering from the rain, and the feast is large and at times overwhelming. They have given us copious foodstuffs of meats, grains, and desserts, all of which they ate with us and told stories we cannot understand. As they began to play music, we were presented with gifts, heavy ornamentations like those that they wear and the craft daily. They rattle with every step in a pleasant, musical way. <inaudible> Something is wrong. We were brought to an alcove in the mountain, near the great carved door. The door is there now, but guarded. I am sure, absolutely so, that on that previous night it was closed off. Such a thing is no simple task. I fear that Khal is lying. She may understand more than she shares. She looks on with too much interest at my writings in Mandarin. If so, perhaps I am safer writing in Manchu. If this place is ever found, do not trust their words or actions. This is all I can warn you of. They do not want to join the dynasty, though they placate us with words. I do not think Li and Brother Benedetto ever made it out of this valley. That old hag burned the fan to remove proof of a treacherous act, whatever it may be.
0: The rest of the page is illegible due to water damage. The following is what I believe to be the last of any documents recorded by Father Martin, and the last document to have survived well enough to be read.
2: Esta foi uma boa noite, mesmo com um tempo tão sombrio. Fomos levados para uma alcova na montanha, onde fogueiras aqueciam a pedra e onde estava a haver uma grande festa. Jingwei e eu perguntamos sobre isso. This was a fine evening, even with such a dreary weather. We were brought out to an alcove in the mountain, where fires warmed us stone and a great feast was being held. Jingwei and I inquired as to the reason for the feast. And Kal answered us as we were presented with gifts of beaded ornamentations. Charles says that tonight they celebrated being a lucky people, and that they celebrated love and blessing bestowed on them by their guardians. The ornamentations we were given are similar to their own, made of bits of stone and bone. They are heavy, but their quality is certainly apparent in the design and craftsmanship. The music was dissimilar to music in the rest of China. Where my experience with the music of the dynasty has been light and reminiscent of classical strings, this was far more humble and grounded in repetitive percussion over melody. The drums sounded of heartbeats, and in the place of melodic strings were flutes and whistles that echoed off the walls of the alcove. I am tired. I am well fed and I am unsure of the hour. The sun sank below the mountain long ago. Anthony has yet to return, so I will leave a small lamp burning. He became unsettled during the mill, and confided in me that he had seen a dark figure creeping through the tops of trees, just on the other side of the large fencing. Its description was eerily similar to my own experiences, he attempted to point it out at me, but was adamant that it stayed just out of the last leak of firelight. He went to investigate, and I am sure he will soon report back. But I have prepared my crutches in a small torch to search for him if he does not return within the hour. I fear we share a common devil.
0: Little of the information documented in these findings can be of use without context. All of the historic information, such as the names of other Jesuits at prominent locations, appear to be correct for having been written in 1711. As such, here is information regarding the document's provenance and the context in which the documents were found. In 1956, the body of a man was found during first excavation stages for the construction of provincial road improvements outside of Nanjiang and Haihe, Heilongjiang Province, China. The area in Nanjiang in which his remains were found is along a possible path between the Greater Khingan Mountains and modern-day Chichihar, which was at one time called Sisihar. The body was found buried in wet mud and decaying vegetation, which preserved parts of the remains to varying degrees. Additionally, remnants of cloth and adornments were excavated and were identified early on as clothes common during the Qing dynasty, though not specifically those of an official, a Confucian scholar, or a religious leader. An anthropological analysis of the skeletal remains identified the man as morphologically from Asia or the Indian subcontinent, and to be under 27 years of age. He had suffered from periods of nutritional deprivation as a child and several broken bones in his young adult years. He had a deep cut into the humerus of his left arm, which had yet to fully heal, but the cause of death was determined to be the mudslide that had covered the remains, and ultimately buried him alive. The man was found to possess a parcel wrapped in treated leather and a heavy waxen cloth. He also had on him a thick bamboo tube used to preserve large scrolls. At one time, he may have worn the tube slung across his back for easy transport, but the tube had been crushed during the mudslide, destroying the contents by exposing it to agents of decay. Thankfully, the wrapped parcel was well protected by the man's body, the leather casing and the waxen cloth, and it was filled with the written documents previously presented. The remains were carefully excavated and taken to a lab for delivery to the Institute of Archaeology, which is now part of the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences. Further site excavations determined that his remains were a singular event and nothing else of historical value was found in that stretch of road as such construction resumed. Though not present in every photo, several photos from the road construction and completion show a peculiar dark statue in the distance. It is difficult to determine what the statue is of as it is set back a distance from the road and the photos are from 1956 to 1960. When using modern day internet maps, I found no black statue near the road section. The documents within the preserved parcel were covered and stored, and for several years only two pages have been examined, which did note that Manchu and Portuguese scripts were both present. It was not until recently that I examined the full collection of documents. I have requested the assistance of several graduate students in locating any possible supporting documents related to the group's disappearance. Jingwei's father was a magistrate, and if he sent a search party, it would have been recorded though there's no promise such a document would have survived the Jesuit missions may have also inquired to Father Martin and Brother Benedetto's whereabouts but due to the chinese rights controversy and the christians quickly weakening hold in china they may have been forgotten the writings that survive contain those pieces translated here as well as several detailed drawings of flora and fauna mountain vistas pictures of children one drawing of a woman, and many pages depicting an unknown script with possible translations written in the margins. While I originally came to the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences to document dialectal differences in the written forms of Manchu and regional languages during the Qing dynasty, I had never expected to come across possible evidence of a previously unheard of language and script. The pieces are limited, but it showcases a complex writing system that utilizes a mixture of syllabic and logographic script. Father Martin has written corresponding syllabic pronunciations beside long lists of script depictions, and there are several pages of his attempt to transcribe words and their translations. His work is astonishing even on its own, yet I am more excited because I believe I've seen more recent matching discoveries of the script. Even so, the translations are what interested me most. Here, in these documents, there is one particular translation I consider to be most prominent. A section of the script is written and broken down into chief sections. It is the only instance of Father Martin's attempt to establish some form of written rule for the language's grammatical structure. Father Martin noted that it tells a short story. Here is the roughly translated short section we know we shield the children's time we watch the storm pool the guardians watch us the storm wakes those gone a storm a wall a death given time the resources collected by father martin and my own research i hope to discover more of what the additional scripts may mean and learn of who wrote them That is why I am so interested in what I saw in the brief email from Dr. Novo from the University of Toronto. His email included pictures of script rubbings, some of which share identical forms to those present in Father Martin's notes. I am still in disbelief of their original location. More so than those found in Svalbard, there are also those most recently located in another excavation in South America. I will send another email to my university to set up a meeting to request time off. I
4: look forward to working with you. The White Vault, Imperial. Written by K.A. Stats with script edits by W.K. Stats. Produced with sound design by Travis Vengroff. Mixed and mastered by Brandon Strader. Music by Stephen Mellon and Brandon Boone. Cover art by Casey Bailey and Caitlin Stats. Starring the voices of Sophie Yang as Dr. Zhao Liu, Andrea Galata as Brother Benedetto Habadian, de Pinheiro as Father Martin Vaz, and Yuin Chung as Jingwei Sheng. Manchu translations by TACTA, the Portland Manchu Studies Group. Italian translations by Francesca Elena Magdalia, or Centro Linguistico Eureka Amantea ex Centro Linguistico Eureka. Portuguese translations by Jed Helmeda Pinheiro, Mandarin translations by Sophie Yang. Special thanks to Stephen England of Option Model and Media, Frank and Christy Carino, Dr. Stephen Wadley of Portland State University, and you supporting our show for helping us bring this story to life. This has been a full and scholar production. The story will continue in October in The White Vault Season 3. Travel is not advised.